You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. to WDW Tales. I'm your host, Justin Stone. Last week, uh, I shared with you a walkthrough that I got to do of the Haunted Mansion in the Magic Kingdom back when I was a cast member, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the tour that I took you through and and the things I told you about how that attraction runs. And uh, today, I wanted to focus on another attraction, one that I think I've been setting up since the beginning of this podcast, and one that I think is a main reason of why I started the podcast, and that, of course, is the Disney MGM Studios' great movie ride, the center of the studios. And uh, I've spent so much time there. I, I think the tenure, the majority of the tenure of my career at Walt Disney World was really focused uh, and centered at the great movie ride and of course it is a uh, it is a marquee attraction it is one that that's is still is very very popular although pretty dated um, I, I just had so many great experiences there and uh, it was a, a big staple of I think still who I am today which sounds weird but when you're young and you're surrounded by such amazing people in, in an amazing place, it tends to take hold of of who you become. So uh, I, I'm appreciative of that. And uh, it's fun to, to reminisce and think about the great times that I had at the movie ride. So I think that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I know I set it up a little bit when I did a tour of the Disney MGM Studios a few episodes back, but today we'll really be focused on uh, the Chinese theater and all the awesomeness that is inside of it, Uh, although pretty different today than when I was there, and and maybe not as good, but to each their own. So what I'm going to do today is just kind of take you through a little bit of my experience of, of when I worked there back in 1996 to about 2002, and uh, of course a lot of it had happened during that time and so uh, there will be multiple episodes on the great movie ride but let's uh, let's get into the movie ride today so in episode six I talked a little bit about the great movie ride in the Disney MGM Studios uh, episode uh, only because it was uh, it was important it was the reason that the Disney MGM Studios were created uh, for those of you who didn't listen um, a quick quick background is that the great movie ride was actually intended to be at Epcot in between uh, Journey into Imagination and the land and it was going to be called Great Moments in the Movies and thankfully it was able to find its way into its own park and become a tentpole attraction a staple attraction that the whole park was built around And, and I'm so happy that 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 happened because then we got a great park, a very underrated park, and uh, and one that had is continually evolving, some good, some bad, but uh, it's continually evolving. But the great movie ride stays there, and uh, and it's just um, it's a great attraction. It's it's something that's really near and dear to my heart. <clears throat> so my first experience with great movie ride, it, and and I also talked about this in previous episodes, was that my sister opened the great movie ride in the college program, so she was there down from from college and she opened the great movie ride in 1989 and I still remember being a little kid and standing outside the studios waiting for it to open we'd all line up and you know this was probably yeah probably like June July of 1989 so the park was brand new and I remember standing there and just looking down Hollywood Boulevard and seeing the great movie ride saying that that's standing there in, in a great Grauman's Chinese theater and 
you know, I've heard so much from my sister about how awesome the park was going to be and how cool the ride was. And I've always loved movies and I've always loved the magic of movie making. And even then, and the, they opened up the gates and I remember still remember running, being the very first person that day, just running as fast as I can to get to the entrance of the great movie ride and then waiting for the rest of my family to catch up and just being so ready to, to ride this ride. And when I was able to, um, to ride it for the first time, I was not, uh, I was not disappointed at all. I loved all the old movies and the, the music and, you know, being taken on this adventure through these old movies that I, I couldn't appreciate, uh, save for a few. And then seeing my sister pop up as the, as the, you know, cowboy in the Western scene and getting scared in the alien scene and then wondering how they, they did the switch in Anubis and uh, the Wizard of Oz and that awesome finale theater movie. And I just loved it. And I've always wanted to to be at an attraction like that. I'm, I, I've always loved to, to talk and be a little bit of a showman. And it was something that I really, really wanted to be a part of. And so fast forward about seven years I was at uh, Journey to Imagination, and uh, I loved Journey to Imagination. It was a bit of a boring ride, as I've said before. It's there wasn't much to it. I mean, it's still a great ride and a lot of fun, and I really liked it. But uh, I, I've always wanted to to get to the movie ride. As cheesy as that sounds, that's always like been that was like the the ride. I couldn't think of any other ride I'd want to go to. I'd done. Living Seas, I'd done iMag, I'd, I'd, I'd helped out at Horizons and all the attractions in Future World just through working at iMag, and that was great, but it was all very much the same, please stand, watch your step, and how many in your party, and here at the great movie ride, you, at least I thought at the time, you were acting, it's, again, as cheesy as that sounds, you were, you were putting on a show, you were part of the ride, you were, you, it was up to you to make the experience great or bad. You know, it's like the Jungle Cruise, right? It was the next thing. And so my sister, who uh, had a good friend, and he's still a great friend, and he was basically in charge of all the show quality at the rides. He basically made sure that cast members were, were playing the part, whether it be at the Great Movie Ride or at Tower, if the bellhops were acting very Tower of Terror-ish, you know, within the themes. That was his job, and, uh, and and he had a lot of a lot of pull at the studios. And my sister had known I've always wanted to be uh, at the Great Movie Ride, and so she reached out to him and, and asked if there was any opportunity for, for me to come over, and of course there was. And through a lot of luck and... Yes, again, a little bit of nepotism. <laughs> I uh, I found myself one day wearing the famous red suspenders of a tour guide, and uh, I couldn't have been I couldn't have been more thrilled. And that first day, standing backstage, just right off where the first vehicle on the dock area where you leave you load and leave the show, right there, there's a door, and behind that door is a a little bit of an alleyway before you hit the offices and it, it doesn't have any ceiling so it's it's basically you can hear what's going on and you could hear the doors closing and you can hear the music starting to queue up and the lights are getting low and and you hear that the famous music that that kicks off your show and I remember standing there and I had my script in my hand and I'm, and I'm so I'm so nerdy guys I'm sorry it totally is but it's just means a ton to me and I remember standing there my script in my hand and I was like let's go do this let's let's go be part of the great movie ride and my my trainer was like I love your enthusiasm but we there's, there's like 50 things we have to do even before I put you on a vehicle and so we have to learn about greeter and pre-show and all the loading positions and they have all different names um so she's like we have to figure those out first and she was super cool and everyone around me was like hey welcome to the great movie ride so like I knew this was kind of the place for me. This was where I was supposed to be. And, uh, 
I was just excited to get started. And so, you know, from riding it the first time in 1989 and in subsequent years as my family went to went on vacation and then going from Adventureland merchandise to Journey to Imagination and like now I'm here. Now I'm like, it's a great movie ride, man. Like this is this is a cut above the rest. This is a, you people look at you differently when you when you work at the great movie ride and they did. You know, when you walk through in those red suspenders and that hat and bow tie and the gangster outfit or the cowboy outfit and you just had a different air about you and I don't know if that's true today, but I uh, I I'd made it. I'd arrived. <laughs> I totally arrived, and uh, yeah. So here was, was Justin with his little, little goofy uh, tour guide costume, getting ready to to do his thing, and uh, it all just continued to be gravy from there on out. So I think what I'll do is I'm just going to take you through the ride itself and go by show scenes and talk a little bit about some unique things within each of those scenes that you may have noticed or not noticed and give you a little bit of the background of the what the cast members have to deal with in those scenes but first of all the cast members the tour guides do not drive the vehicles of course if you've seen a, a tour guide who's really into it they might turn the wheel on the moving stage what they're called but uh we don't we don't turn the vehicles, but what I will say is that those vehicles can be turned. It's actually, uh, when you go into maintenance mode, uh, the, the ride, uh, actually those, those stages can actually be driven. They can be turned. Um, so we never do that, but the, the maintenance folks would have to do that. In fact, the, the, the stages run on a little electric guide wire that's built into the bottom of the track. And that's what it follows when it's in show mode, but the minute it goes out of show mode, or as it happened pretty often, the the moving stage would uh, basically jump the track, then maintenance would have to put it into maintenance mode and actually drive it around. But what we did have to do is we had to shift. So when you're in the A vehicle or the front vehicle that gets the Western show, you have a you have different shifting than say the B vehicle. So the B vehicle, because it has a, it stops in Gangster Alley, um, and basically has to play catch up through Tarzan and Casablanca. Has a different shift, uh, a different shifting sequence than, than say the A show. So the A uh, would basically you would, you would, it, the the gears go from one to four. Four is like full on speed. One is crawl. So when you're most most show scenes, you're in uh, you're basically in two two to three. And then when you're on the B, you're in four a lot because you're trying to catch up. Except when you go into um, Gangster Alley, you actually throw it into one. I don't re- recall, but you have to give enough room for the A show to get through before you can start your own show. So we would never drive them, but we would have to shift them and uh, to make sure that uh, the shows hit correctly. You would have to uh, basically remember the the shift points. Although I will give you a little secret: if you look on the left. If you sit on the left of the vehicles and you look down, and you look down in at say like Mary Poppins, and, and uh, you look down in most of the sh- the show scenes where the vehicle stops, you'll see painted on orange on the floor. You'll see the points where you have to shift, and the sh- the gear that you have to shift into. So there'll be two numbers. It'll say you know A four, B two, or uh, four and two. And so if you look down and you see that, and then you'll see, you look over at the tour guide, you'll see them actually shifting. So while we always had to remember it, just in case, if you forgot, you could look down. And let me tell you, there are so many times, you do so many shows in a day, you can't remember if you're on the A vehicle or the B vehicle. There are times where I've totally just like lost track of where I was. And you can actually hit the vehicle in front of you. If you're on the B and you're not paying attention, and especially in Fantasia where you have to shift and turn around and face the audience and shift, uh, you can hit vehicles. It, and those vehicles have, they have pressure sensors all over them, either on the side, on the road, uh, on the, the running boards, or in the front on the bumper. Those all have uh, pressure sensors in case something were to happen. Uh, it stops the vehicle immediately. And so many times we would all hit the vehicle in front of us. And it used to be like a, like a notable offense like you hit so many vehicles in an amount of time then you basically get these points and demerits and you'd have to get pulled from vehicles i luckily never did i think 
one time I went through a, a stretch of hitting the angles. <laughs> that got pretty close, but I was usually able to talk my way out of, way out of it. Or maintenance would come by before the the lead on duty would come by and and uh, you know mark it down of who hit the vehicle and where. But anyways, so we do shift. We don't drive. Uh, so let's go through a little bit. So as you leave dock. Uh, you know, you you basically start make that turn, and you see uh, Busby Berkeley's um, famous Tower of Flesh. That's <laughs> what we called it. It used to actually come out and rotate and shoot water, uh, but doesn't do that anymore. It hasn't done it in a long time. When I got there, it hadn't been doing it. They'd already put up the scrim with the additional projection of the Footlight Parade movie. But uh, when my sister worked there, it used to come out a little bit and rotate. And I guess there was um, there was some problems there's some challenges with uh that happening all the time but we used to call it the tower of flesh because that's all it was and if you could kind of go backstage and, and i'll post some some pictures on the wdw tales instagram page that uh shows some more in-depth backstage pieces but uh, then you'd get into mary poppins and you'd get into singing in the rain which was that first shift point and uh the there's a little door on the right right before Mary Poppins and that actually leads out to a hallway and that hallway will take you up some uh, spiral stairs to Gangster Alley and to Banditland to all like the character places that's where you get up to basically get to your uh, your proper show scenes to start your show so uh, if you're a gangster or a bandit you'd sit up there all day and then you would have a lunch break or you'd have a 30 minute break and then you'd come down the spiral staircase you'd lock up your gun up there and you'd come down the spiral staircase walk a long hallway and basically go back into the break room um, so that's one of the exit points and and one of the places where uh, you could get backstage and, and go to the to this long hallway to get to the character area but then you get into gangster alley or the underworld and there's a lot going on in this this uh, this show scene. So a couple of things you know there as you um, as you kind of go underneath the elevated train. One of the pillars has a poster with Mickey Mouse's shoes um, hidden. Basically, it's on the pillar, and there's another poster over it, so you can just see Mickey Mouse's shoes. Or is it on the wall? I don't recall. I'll have to go back and look. Remember where it is. But uh, that's everyone knows that hidden Mickey. There's also a hidden Mickey above Gangster Alley in a window. That actually wasn't an Imagineer hidden Mickey. That was done in, like, 1991 by, like, a cast member who was bored. And the Imagineers liked it so much. I think they took it down, and then we put it back up. Well, I wasn't, but, you know, cast members put it back up. And then the Imagineers just said, all right, we'll keep it. It's fine. So if you going around the turn where... Um, James Cagney is, and you look to the left, you'll see all the way at the top in the window, almost at the ceiling, you'll see a hidden Mickey. Uh, and then also, Patrick J. Ryan's bar, as you make that turn on your left, there's Patrick J. Ryan's bar, which is a facade, like most of the, the, the buildings are in that show scene. But above it, there looks like somebody breaks into a hotel room, and, and two guys, two characters are, are struggling over a gun. They're, they're fighting. That's actually projected. And if you go in Patrick J. Ryan's, there's a little set of stairs, like a ladder, and you go up, and there's just a projector in there with just that film. Um, in fact, I have some of it. <laughs> I ended up with some of it somehow, and I'll post some of that on Instagram as well. But uh, it's those. sometimes people don't notice it. But, yeah, when you first come in, you'll see it right above the bar, the two people fighting. But also, if you go into Patrick J. Ryan's, and this is pretty cool, you can cut over to the end of the ride, so Patrick J. Ryan's and Gangster Alley is basically right up against Finale Theater. So if you would go through all the ride, and we'll talk about it in a second, but if you go through all the ride and then you get to Finale Theater, you could just skip the whole thing. You could just walk right across. We used to have to do that all the time when the ride, when the show uh, was opening for the morning. We'd maybe come in through the through exit and then go straight through. Uh, grab our guns and then go straight through finale and finale there's a little door and that door takes you right to Patrick J. Ryan's bar and then there you are so you've skipped 85% of the ride um, but then we get into to, uh, Gangster Alley and this scene is pretty iconic it's this part where Muggsy Takata who's the gangster comes down and, and hijacks the vehicle and Squid and Beans are his partners there and uh, you know um, 
the other gangsters are waiting and so there's a car that comes out and that car the called the uh, gangster car uh, first of all has the license plate number of the 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 date of the St. Valentine's Day massacre which is another kind of hidden gem that a lot of people know but uh, that um, that car is was notorious for either not coming out or staying out and so when you were a gangster and you'd pop your head up and you'd be like shut up you two you want to blow our cover the gangster car was sitting there right there so any like savvy great movie ride fan would be like oh god you know or you'd be like oh man it's ridiculous pretend like the the like you haven't seen that car or subsequently if the gangster car never came out but you start firing and you start you're like ah where are they oh they're in the windows guys (laughs) they're in the buildings look out (laughs) because there is no gangster car and it's it was so cheesy and i kind of got got on in my tenure at the movie ride around 2001 2002 it was really bad it was like really and it was one of those things where if the gangster car didn't come out or got stuck out the ride was supposed to go down it was supposed to go 101 or shut down and, and guests couldn't ride it and that for some reason never happened the management should be like ah let it go just pretend that they're shooting at you and uh yeah it was pretty cheesy but originally uh the tour guide when the back in the when the ride first opened the tour guide who runs away uh down the stairs when the gang when Muggsy tells her tells them to beat it their shirt you they used to be able to pull down the front pocket the left pocket and it would have a bullet mark and blood so the tour guide would uh essentially would get shot in front of the the guests and then of course come back and, and that added the, the dramatics of like oh the when the tour guide comes back in anubis you're like but i saw you get shot and that was quickly done away with because it was i think it was too violent it was not very disney but every once in a while you would switch out your costume and get a fresh shirt and that shirt would have the the bullet hole mark and the red around it um and that was like an original shirt but anyway so you would uh if you were a gangster you would basically do your lines you'd come down you'd have six shots sometimes you'd misfire actually a lot of times you'd misfire it actually depended if it was humid or not because those guns were old they're real they're old uh, smith and wessons and tauruses and everyone had a favorite gun but I'll get into like the, the gangster thing in a second, but basically, uh, or more gangster stuff when I get through the ride. Uh, but what you would do is if you know the show scene, you would say red, see red light in front of you, red lights. I hate red lights. Watch this lady, kid, Mac, whatever, who's sitting next to you. And you would listen for a specific ricochet. And once that ricochet went off, you had like half a second to point your gun and fire. And that would fire off the green light. So if you had a misfire, you'd be like, Oh, thanks for the Thanks for hitting the shot. Squid beans. Uh, we're out of here and then uh you so you'd get out of there um but you'd have to wait if you looked uh by the doors they're called uh, essay doors or show doors down in the left bottom left there would be a red or a green light and that would basically tell you if a vehicle in front of you had left the next show scene so if it was red you couldn't move i mean you could but you're not supposed to and if it was green it means it was clear you could go so sometimes it would still be red and you have to be out there and and um and wait and wait and wait even when the show scene died down and you have to kind of uh, improvise for a while uh, but then the next show scene is bandit and of course we all know in the western scene john wayne is there uh, and john wayne uh the only thing that's original on, on anything john wayne is his belt buckle that's part that was something that was like donated by his trust or something like that so john wayne's belt buckle is actually his belt buckle but within there you were if you were on an a show you would get the uh the western show so you'd get kate durango or kid durango those were the the guys uh those were the you know hosts they were called gangster host or or bandit host we weren't actors we couldn't get paid actor pay but whatever um so you'd bust out of the door basically the same sequence you know you'd shoot against the sheriff and and uh the part where you blow up the bank uh, it was a, another part you have to, it was all timed within the show and, and there's a button back where one of the bandits is shooting that you would say look out the bank's gonna blow and um, you have to hold on to this button for so long and then the bank would blow uh, but the thing is is like that bank where it blew where the bank blew was like right where you would wait 
if you weren't on if you weren't on a show, you would sit there and you would just hear it every five seconds. In fact, all this stuff, I should just say, the bank, the gunfire and the bank blowing up and the loud noise, you got so adept at tuning it out when you weren't on a show, when you were on break and you would hang up there. I, I could sleep through anything because after a while it just becomes second nature. You just totally tune it out. The only thing that you would ever listen for is you'd hear the vehicle coming in either through bandit or through gangster and uh before you knelt down to start your show in gangster or bust out the doors the bank doors and bandit if, if the tour guide said dead show that meant no one was on the show and you didn't have to, to run the show and so that would happen mainly because back in the day we weren't able to break up the vehicles they were sets they were a an a vehicle and a b vehicle and that was one set but of course now because disney's cheap uh they've found a way to send out one vehicle so dead shows like would never happen but uh so you would take over the vehicle you get into alien and alien you're on the nostromo ship and of course everything is totally shifted now and you had to if you were the bandit or the gangster you'd kind of act like where am i what's going on and all very cheesy but uh this scene was cool because there are um there are a couple kind of hidden hidden things within here the first one is for some reason um Sigourney Weaver whose face changed out while I was working there one day she looked like her and the next day it looked like she had like like goiter I don't know she had like this super long face but she had a little pin that said Idaho on it um I can't remember why I don't know if it's part of the movie or not but that was weird but then also all the computer readouts as you go through this section had all the Imagineers names so any Imagineer who worked on the ride uh, was basically listed out there. So it's one of those hidden hidden pieces that uh, you, if you looked hard enough, you could see it. But I think probably from the vehicle, it's too tough to see, so you'd have to walk through. And, of course, then the two aliens would pop out, and uh, you would get, uh, some of you would get dripped on, and that drip was like um, shampoo. It's basically what it was. That goo was like a type of shampoo. And <clears throat> so then you'd get through that scene pretty quickly. You'd shift quickly and get into Raiders of the Lost Ark which is probably the most iconic of all the scenes so you know about the C-3PO and the R2-D2 who who are hidden in there and I won't give away where they are Uh, but there's also a Mickey Mouse and a Goofy dressed as pharaohs another thing that you know hieroglyphics of them that that's hidden in there but there are a couple other funny pieces in there Uh, I don't know if this gives it away or not I'll give away one of them and I won't give away the other one sorry guys but this one's pretty easy to see so as you're going through Raiders of the Lost Ark and you look up just as you're kind of shifting show scenes to get to the Anubis scene if you look up there's like a hieroglyphic of a person standing with his with like a Egyptian hieroglyphic of somebody standing with their legs spread wide and there's a snake that comes out of the wall at like a very uh, very uh, I guess I could say uh interesting place where you know, where it comes out of the the body so pay attention to that there's another there's kind of weird sexual references all over the ride but that's for in-person conversation not for a, a podcast uh but anyways so um look for that but then as you get to anubis and anubis is another iconic scene where it's the gigantic god of anubis and as a gangster you're like oh get a load of that chunk of ice or would you you know if you're a bandit uh well looky here I think it's what it was. Uh, gosh, I can't remember what all the lines are. I have to find the script. But here is where you would park the vehicle as a as the characters, the gangster host or band host, and then tell everyone to sit down and shut up and then walk around. Of course, you go up, touch the jewel. After the uh, the uh, priest, the high priest would tell you not to and you touch it. And then, ta-da, here's the tour guide. And that just goes to show you that anything can happen in the movies. That scene... Uh, was basically done with through a trapdoor, and um, so as the smoke came up, then you would uh, basically trigger the door, and and the whole thing happened in a in a couple brief seconds. Uh, but there are also times when the smoke didn't happen, and you just kind of gave the secret away, and it was a bit of a drag. But uh, that's what happens when the, you work at an old attraction that that didn't have a lot of um, didn't have uh, all the maintenance done that was done that needed to be done, but not by anyone's fault other than I think money but uh so then the tour guide would come back down and as you uh left and you hit the horror section the horror section 
if you look very carefully, actually, I don't think they're there anymore. I think I know somebody, somebody grabbed them and took them after they left the ride. But there used to be, as you make the turn where all the mummies are, you look to the left, there was like almost like a chessboard with all these little Egyptian figurines. And there used to be a couple Star Wars toys that were in there. And uh, they were they were put there when the ride was built. Some Imagineer stuck them there. And I think in like 2001 when he left, I think he grabbed them and, and walked with them. They might be there, but I think that person grabbed them. So, uh, so uh, and that scene was always like a filler scene. I think it was supposed to be something else. And it just ended up being the horror movie because it, we don't really talk much about it in the script. And it's so quick. It's just the turn. And then you get into... Tarzan and Tarzan has uh as Jane and the elephant and Tarzan and uh so you do your little script if you were in a vehicle you would go through that really slowly and have a long script if you were in the B vehicle you're trying to catch up so you'd fly through that scene and you'd just be like Marino Sullivan and, and Johnny Weissmuller um but there used to be so a couple things so the elephant that Jane sits on uh, is actually hollow on the inside. It, the head is animatronic, but the rest of it is, uh, is hollow, and you can actually crawl up in it. And I actually know two cast members who, uh, for the sake of saying they did, got a little freaky inside the elephant. And so every time we go through that, we be like, oh, my God, oh, I, I know what happened in that thing. It just, it's gross. And then Johnny Weismaller, of course, Tarzan would swing, and uh, I had a few friends and I may have pulled it off once. I don't remember, but um, because he goes one way and then he goes the other, and you're like, "Hey, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you really like J- Johnny Weismuller, oh Johnny Weismuller, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry, he swings both ways," <laughs> because he <laughs> literally did. Like the, the dumb things that you would do to keep yourself busy, because you do so many shows, and like some people would catch up, would pick up on it. Other ones would just be so like so far into the ride. We're like 18 minutes in the ride of a 22 minute ride, so folks are probably either checked out or just looking at the scenes all around them and of course you'd get into Casablanca and Casablanca uh, if you've ever felt like you sat in Casablanca for a long time you're probably on an A show because that A show has to sit and wait Casablanca for the B to catch up and that's like that whole area is like if you're not paying attention to the B that's where you always like ram into the vehicle in front of you and then it just takes longer for everything else to happen but Casablanca uh, the uh, the plane is not from the movie Casablanca that's a total scam, but uh, the uh, other part of it is in the Jungle Cruise. So one of the filler pieces of material we had to say if um, if we were on the A and you were waiting was that it was from the movie Casablanca, and then luckily they changed it, and, and it was actually, if you want to look for the other, the other part of the plane, it's in the Jungle Cruise, which was a nice nod to other spieling attractions, too. We had a long-time rivalry with the Jungle Cruise, and then when Kilimanjaro showed up, uh, they tried to have a rivalry with us, but nobody cared. No one cares about Kilimanjaro Safaris. <laughs> Spielers. Um, so then you would get through Fantasia, and Fantasia was actually supposed to be the Wizard of Oz. It's supposed to be the gigantic tornado that would take you to Oz, but the Imagineers could never get it done correctly. So they put Fantasia there, and that's why you feel that gigantic fan. That fan serves no other purpose than was supposed to be this tornado this twister just like the movie uh the wizard of oz but it's a nice effect so they kept that on but that's actually um if you look to the right that's actually where you pull the vehicles off to go to maintenance so there's a there's a curtain there with a big garage door and right behind that is maintenance base or maintenance bay so you would if maintenance needed to they'd pull the vehicle off there so if a vehicle ever got stuck you'd have to first of all move all the vehicles around to get that one vehicle all the way to maintenance bay and uh behind there was uh, it looked like a big garage, and we would do uh, all kinds of uh, parties in there sometimes. Like, if you had to clean the vehicles, we would stay late at, at night. Or one, um, you would take a whole day and have a vehicle cleaning party where a few of you got selected, and you would scrub down you know, each vehicle as they came in, and you know, we'd listen to like music and, and hang out, and that was kind of fun. But um, then you get into Finale Theater, and Finale Theater is this huge... Oh, sorry, no, we have to talk about Oz. So you get to Oz, and Oz is another iconic show scene. As you see the uh, Wicked Witch of the East, you see the ruby slippers as you first come in, and then you 
you know, all of the, um, the munchkins and munchinlands kind of pop up and, uh, there was a person, uh, a munchkin on the left that had a potting, like a plant pot on their head. And we'd always call him pothead. And she'd say like shift it pothead, or, or I think I have some pictures off to find them and put them up there. Um, and then of course the witch would show up and the witch was one of the most, uh, advanced animatronics at the time. It was like an A1000. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, guys, you'll probably know more than I will, but it had, uh, you know, more movement. And so you would do this whole scene with the witch. And, uh, I recall one time that the witch broke uh, a hydraulic, uh, line on her arm or her neck and just sprayed the whole A vehicle, like 15 people with just hydraulic fluid, like this really viscous, tough to clean off. And, and, uh, I heard this story about it and, and the tour guy was telling me, she was like, there's nothing I could do. There's nowhere I could go. And I just had to sit and continue to spiel. And people were like, ah, freaking out. And mothers were covering children and people were covering cameras and, uh, it was a total mess. But, and then we got to, to go down for the rest of the day. But, uh, she always had a lot of problems. There were times when she didn't pop up and, uh, because she wouldn't pop up, you wouldn't get the uh, the audio spiel either because it was attached to her. Like the, the speaker was attached to her. So um, you would just basically, there'd be like this ominous background music from the show scene and you just kind of have to make it up and spiel as you went along. Uh, and other times her speaker would go off and you're like, who's talking to me? It was like gangster again. Like you had to imagine it. And people were like, like people understood you're trying your best, but they were, they were like, this is, this is bad this is awful it's that luckily if something were to go wrong then the ride would go down but uh she was a game day player she worked a lot i can only think of a handful of times where she didn't work um oh there was a time that actually that she did break down in front of me and she just like was in off mode so she just leaned forward with her head down and it was, so it's totally uh non-animated and i was like ah, oh, well looks like she's sleeping we can uh let's just keep going so then lastly, you'd go through the Oz scene and you'd see Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion and the Scarecrow. And of course, if you look at the Yellow Brick Road, it actually spells out Oz in the show scene. Oh, not the Yellow Brick Road, but the, um, some of the buildings spell out Oz, which is another hidden hidden piece. And then finally, you get into Finale Theater. And Finale Theater, the A would pull in and then the B would pull in afterwards. And uh, that show was about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. And that was another... Uh, scene where you could essentially you could sleep if you wanted to like if people sitting next to you because in the front row there are four guests that can sit with the tour guide in line with the tour guide if they weren't paying attention to you like how many times I'd, I'd be like a long night at Pleasure Island and I'd come in and I'd, I'd come at 6 o'clock in the morning we'd open the ride 7.30 for early magic hours and or early morning guests and I would be exhausted and I would totally just fall asleep I'd literally fall asleep and the way I knew to wake up is there's a bridge over the River Kwai scene for the movie. There's a scene in finale, and once that the bridge blows up, that's your point to basically start to get ready to uh, shift the vehicle to get started. So once that happened, I'd like pop right up. But so great, you could get like these little cat naps, all these different places in the great movie ride. You could get these cat naps, and then no no one would even know but they'd be sitting right next to you and then you'd pop up and just say you know on behalf of coca-cola and american express or on behalf of the walt disney company later on in years and just kind of finish it off and that big scene would be like you know and now the thunderous applause for your tour guide i always hated that i hated that pandering and because you knew most of the time people were just like if it was if it was hot outside and it was busy and people waited like an hour for the ride and they were just not happy you'd get like a lukewarm reception and other times you'd have some fun ones uh i will say that probably the most the most fun um the most fun time to be a character or a tour guide was for special events so when companies after park hours would rent out the parks uh or it was like gay days uh you would you would get guests that were like so into it i mean the special events most of the 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 corporate guests were lubed up they were already like wasted and then for things like gay days uh it's because um you know folks were enjoying the ride and they were way into it and uh i always enjoyed that and then there are other times where it was like 
grad nights where you get the high school kids and um, I can actually remember a time where some kids I was in a, a gangster and they like had ice chips or they had something and they just like pelted us pelted me with them and uh, the whole ride like and I finally I was like I'm done and I just sat down and rode into Anubis and handed it back off to the tour guide and I felt bad for the tour guide because she had another 10 minutes of ride to do but I remember going back and telling my manager my manager grabbed them two of them by the shirt and brought them backstage right in front of me I was, it was the end last show of the of the grad night and I you always had to go and clean your gun at the end of the night you had to scrub it and make sure it's clean before you took it up to security and he grabbed the two kids and he like pushed them in front of me and he's like are these the kids and I was like yeah and he was like you ever do that again I'm kicking your whole family out of the park you're never gonna be allowed to be here again and the two kids were like these big kids are like you know high school kids and they were both like, they both started tearing up and they're like, no, don't get us in trouble. Please don't get us in trouble. And I was like, just, I was like, don't be dicks. Like it totally character was all gone. And it was just like, just don't be dicks guys. Like, come on, don't do that. Uh, so, uh, that's the ride. That is, um, the ride itself. There are some positions out front. There's, uh, the greeter position, which I absolutely hated, and I would beg, borrow, and steal my way out of the greeter rotation. I would just beg people not to do that. And then as you get inside, there was a, what's called pre-greet, and or I think they changed it to pre-greet was changed to something like head usher is what it is. They tried to theme it a little bit more uh, later on in my my years at at the movie ride. And then there's pre-con, um, and pre-con was. Uh, so pre-greet basically moved the ropes around. So as you know, it, the Great Movie Ride has the most complex uh, pre-show theater rope system in the world. It, whoever invented it was just a sadist. Uh, but so there's an A show and a B show, and you you have to work the ropes to make sure the the shows are equal. And then pre-con does the spiel about no flash photography, which no one ever listens to, no food, no drink, and they pop open the doors and get ready to load. And then there's load one, load two, and they put you on the vehicles. And there used to be this scene, uh, this, this not the scene, this position called load con, which basically was just, just like helped <clears throat> out on, on the dock when it was really, really busy. And it was like the easiest, most cush job in the world. You just kind of stand around and just make sure the shows got out on time. And it was really easy. And then, uh, of course, there were the tour guides. And so with the tour guides, there are five sets, so 10 vehicles on at a time. And when I first started, there used to be a rotation called ABBA and BAB. So ABBA was you would do an A show and then a B show and then an A show and then you'd go to break. Or BABA, BAB, you would go to B show, A show, B show and go to break. Or then other positions were like load one, A, B, break, load two, A, B, break. I loved the, the ABBA position. In fact, one day I had worked a 10 hour shift and I, it's all I did. I like, I took one lunch and one break and I, I think I did 32 shows, which is insane. It's a 22 minute ride. So maybe it wasn't that many. It was like 22 shows, but by the end of it, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And everyone's like, you're insane, man. And I was like, ah, I don't care. It's easy. The Bab show was the easiest because you had less time on the vehicle because the gangster scenes, a longer show, it's an eight minute show versus a four minute show for the gangster versus the bandit. So you would have more time off the vehicle where you could kind of hang out quickly and uh and not have to deal with deal with the uh uh all the spieling all the time uh, but I really at the end of the day I uh <clears throat> I liked working characters and I was basically I, once I got approved for Gangster and Bandit I was there pretty ex- pretty much exclusively very rarely would I go down to do the tour guide shows um and gangster really like that's most folks will probably remember me as doing a lot of gangster shows um so uh we're at about 45 minutes and uh, i've just taken you through the ride some of the secrets um i i didn't get to a lot of the stories but um what i think i would do in the last few minutes just kind of talk to you a little bit about the backstage areas too so the character ones specifically so as i mentioned at the top of the the episode that you would go up the spiral staircase and you would get to the character area. So as you walked up the spiral staircase, there were some lockers where you had to lock up your gun. If you went downstairs, you couldn't go so far with your gun. It was just a rule. So you would lock uh, lock up your gun, and, and most most ba- uh, gangsters would have keys uh, pinned to their tie. That's where we kept them. Or if you're a bandit, you'd keep it. Uh, um, I would keep mine behind my uh, my bandana that I used to wear. 
So uh, easy to grab. But as you walk through these tiny, tiny hallways, and there's no roof, so it's like the whole scene is <clears throat> the whole yeah the whole scene is open. But um, you're back behind these tiny hallways, and then a gangster. There is nothing more than there used to be a wooden bench. And then it, somebody had the smarts to actually get movie theater seats. So there were four movie theater seats that you would sit in there. And you'd sit in there. If like Some people would do like eight, ten-hour shifts. I, I'd work a lot of doubles, so I'd work like a 15-hour shift. And you'd just sit up there. And there were nothing but like magazines. And that's it. Like there, This was before iPhones, even some laptops. You couldn't get any service even for your cell phone up there. So you would be stuck up here. And thankfully people would just bring in magazines or you'd bring in books uh, a big thing that we all did was we'd play uno and uh and uh meal bone was another game that we'd play but uh you would start your show basically where the gangster pops up there's a just a little walkway if, if you go through the hallway by the the seats i'm talking about just go a little bit further you turn to the right go down some steps and that's where the show would start for the gangster scene that's where you kind of get ready behind the behind the tarp or behind the blanket on the top of the stairs and you'd listen for the show to start and and uh if you were doing a uh, western show where those chairs were where those seats were i was mentioning you go straight on for a little bit and you go down uh, this really steep set of stairs and that's a bigger area so that's western and again that's like right um that's right behind the bank but that's really narrow too and they had uh they had some couches and some like love seats so if you were on break, you'd just go down and hang out with the bandits. And back in the day, only until my last, I mean my last year there, we never had female gangsters. So it was always the guys upstairs and, and basically, the, for the most part, the girls downstairs. And it was like, it was kind of like the, oh God, this sounds so cheesy. But it was kind of like the cool kids table. Like, so we would all kind of hang out because we would always be stuck up there for a long time versus like the tour guides who were down you know, farther away in the ride and had more uh, exposure to guests and and each other so you'd get really really close with the bandits and the gangsters and and so much that you would see who's like who you're working gangster with or bandit and you'd be like oh god i want to work with that person or like you'd have a great shift and they'd be like all your friends are there and it would just be so much fun and sometimes you could hear the uh in fact we got talked to by our management a couple of times you get so rowdy back there that uh, it would bleed through. The sound would bleed through to the show scenes. So, like, the <laughs> tour guys trying to do their show and the gangsters trying to do their show. And, like, I'd be, like, banging on a, a, a empty water jug, like, drumming. And we'd be singing songs or we'd be screaming Uno. Like, it's it was just, like, a little bit of senioritis. You know, you just kind of – you kind of ran the ride. You ran the world. Again, I get it. It's really cheesy, but I was younger then, and, and I think it's funny. Uh, but then for Anubis, so you would, when the tour guide went down the stairs uh, in the gangster scene, or they went through the bank doors, they uh, crossed the hallway, and that hallway crosses over the ride, and that crosses over the ride in um, Indiana Jones. In fact, this, the part where I'm telling you where the snake comes out of the thing that's basically a an elevated hallway that you can't see um and then they come over and that's where the the trap door is so then you would wait to hear your show and and then you'd pop out but every so often like you tour guides would screw around and you you would jump out for the wrong show and then the gangster would come up to, to touch the jewel and you're like you're not my gangster and they're like you're not my tour guide and then you'd have to like do a quick switch so as the smoke was going around and you you basically throw your your robe backstage to say ta-da you'd be like hey you know like whatever like i don't know tanya or like heather like uh hey this is your vehicle it's not mine and so they'd come out and some guests would be like okay whatever um so there's like this whole infrastructure backstage uh, of how to make that ride work effectively and uh but it's not um it's not conducive to comfortability at all. It's really just you kind of make it your own, and, and people would bring things in and and try to uh, to, to make it homey. In, in fact, we used to decorate it a specific way, and and uh, folks weren't thrilled with the way we decorated it. So like a lot of it got ripped down, and and there was other like we had uh, like sea monkeys. Somebody bought a package of sea monkeys. They were, actually they were triops, but they were like they were like poor man sea monkeys. So we had the the triops there for like a couple months. So we'd have to come in and like 
clean out the triops bowl and and make sure they were taken care of and uh you know, we try and and mess with people on their show and so uh it's a whole different world up there and um it, it was really interesting and, and i i should go into uh how it all works how the rotations work um how a gangster show works how a bandit show works and uh, I, I think I'll do that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold that for next time because we're we're getting up here. So uh, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, precursor into many more episodes about the great movie ride there. I'm I'm going to discuss and probably the next one I'll, I'll just jump right into the the next one, um, so that we kind of keep the cycle of the stories going and and you can you know track with what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, yeah. The Great Movie Ride. It is amazing. It's it's everything. It's again. I'm looking at this kind of through rose-colored glasses, so uh, it's not how it is today. But how I remember it is one of the one of the greatest places I've ever worked at, and uh, it's definitely memorable. And anyone who worked there um, would would probably say the same because it's a it was just a great place. So next time you ride the Great Movie Ride, see if you can find some of the the things I talked about today with the shift points and some of the hidden Mickeys and, and whatnot. And uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to the story as much as I have enjoyed talking about it. Um, so enjoy the Great Movie Ride, and uh, I'll see you next time.